Welcome back to the Night Shift Football Podcast, a pod named after the fact that in Australia, you'll have to pull some big nights if you want to catch all the latest European football, or just listen to us and we'll stay up and do the work for you. It's episode 145 this week and we've got a fantasy update, Premier League wrap, Champions League chat and the slow demise of Bayern. Let's go. Back for another week. Tommy is here with me again. How you doing, man? Very good. Evening, Sammy. How are you? Bloody excellent. Um, Cooper is here as well. How are you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad. Had better weeks, uh, but we're getting there. Oh, mm. Just, just gone 10 color. rounds with Mike. <laughs> Feels that way. Face has been battered in. He's had teeth ripped out. He's had feet. Stuff. I don't know. I was just trying to make another foot joke again about you. I don't really know where to go with it. Let's just talk about footy, hey? That'll work. Champions League. Let's go straight into that from last week. Guys, I think we were all pretty well spot on with our predictions. Um, we'll start with Leipzig and Madrid. We said that Leipzig probably would be okay with getting a draw at home, but they probably weren't. And Real Madrid, without setting the world on fire, got the win away from home enough to get them through, you think, Tommy? Oh, they should go through now, shouldn't they? Um it was exactly as we discussed whether or not Leipzig could hold on um, and get a draw out of this game. I think Cooper and I were kind of on the on the on the side of the fence that they would need, you know, a goal lead at least going to um, going back to Spain. But they, you know, they weren't out of this fixture by any means. Um, I thought mm-hmm. they definitely held up their part, and it should set up still an entertaining tie uh, in the return leg. Um, but yeah, just Madrid's quality in the end shines through. Um, they can get it done without Bellingham by the look of it. Brahim Diaz comes in for him and scores the goal. So, Yeah, well, big opportunity for Brahim Diaz. He's spent a few years on loan at Milan. and He looked all right, but didn't look like the sort of player that would be able to set it on fire at Madrid. Uh, but a big opportunity with Bellingham out, and he comes in and gets the goal. So that'll that'll stake a bit of a claim. He would slot uh, straight back out, I guess, if Bellingham come, when Bellingham comes back. but <laughs> He's going to keep you know, him out, is he? <laughs> but it gives the coach something to think about for you know whether he can squeeze him in other areas or if they can find a way to get him into the yeah, team. True. Good, good, good little player. Not a bad little player, Cooper. I don't know if you you've still muted yourself and you're trying to limit your participation in this one. I think. But do you have anything on Madrid or Leipzig, or you're happy for us to move on? Uh pretty happy to move on. I just think I'm still not totally convinced with Real Madrid. Like they've got okay. a few world class players in their squad. We keep talking about Vinny Junior and obviously Jude Bellingham, but I'm not convinced that the strength around them is necessarily good enough to do too much damage in this competition. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I've felt that way about Madrid for the last for a long time though, and they keep seem to just keep getting it done. You know? Um what's how the space we, with them? How often have we seen uh Chilmani play centre back? Well, that's an interesting move. Uh, Is it to combat how they were playing Leipzig or? I doubt it. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. if They they don't have a whole lot in terms of centre-backs at the moment. Real Madrid, they've got, like, like Cooper just alluded to there, they do have some gaps in their squad around the place. Mm. Um, they're particularly low on, they've got, like, one striker in the squad, which is Hosselu, and he doesn't play because they play Bellingham. They've got... Kind of only the two wingers in Rodrigo and Vinny Jr., unless you want to count uh, Lucas Vasquez, who's been turned more into a fullback lately. And then yeah. at centre-back, what, you got Nacho and um, I guess they got Garcia, but like 
yeah, Militao out injured, um, Rudiger out injured, David Alaba out injured. So some big names out injured for Madrid at the moment still as well. So if any of them come back, I'm not sure on the timelines of those guys because I don't watch much La Liga at all. But, you know, there's, they've still got the goods there. I think uh, Camavinga playing in the midfield with Cruz and Valverde is like just, just weapons, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's eye-watering. It's another, it's another top-heavy side in a sense in, you know, a season that has top-heavy footballers. Uh, but they're doing the job. I mean, they're going to cruise. Well, they may cruise because they drop points on the weekend um, in La Liga. So that opens the door right back up for Girona to come back into it. Uh, by the time everyone listens to this, they'll know if they brought the gap back to three points. Mm, they did, yeah. Um, big week for top teams dropping points in their domestic leagues, but we'll come to that. We'll go to Copenhagen where I think another one we've just predicted, Celt- City, which is, I'm sure everyone predicted that City would just be far too strong. And they've gone to Copenhagen, put three away, probably put the feet up at home, I'd say. Yeah, potentially would have liked maybe one or even two more goals just purely because they're utterly capable of doing it. But two-goal lead should be pretty comfortable. On the scoreboard, it was still a game until the 92nd minute um, when they got the third Foden. Uh, Foden with a goal and assist in this one, but... I think they'll be pretty comfortable at home going into that second leg. Copenhagen do put up fights in these games at home. They're pretty strong, but going away to City is just a different gravy, I think. The the empty had, which seems to be getting a little bit louder of late, but we'll see. The Thursday morning games, PSG, I remember saying to you that they would win and it would be comfortable, but they wouldn't kill them. And then we got a 2-0. I don't know if either of you have anything to mention on this. I, I don't think... I don't think PSG are a side that can go all the way, but you just don't know. When you've got players like Mbappe, they can almost just win a game on their own boot, and that's that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much guided France all the way through to a World Cup final, so he's definitely got that in his arsenal. Sociedad just did – they did nothing. They they just didn't show up, and you know they're gonna, it's going to have to be a massive turnaround in the return leg if they're going to get anything out of this tie. Yeah, an interesting team this um... – this for our associate one. A few of those guys, they've been there for a couple of years now, and they've they've added to it to try and to try and bolster any sort of like European run. But um, uh, it looks like they've probably come to an end now. I'd say they they are going home, uh, but they're two 0 down. I'm not sure PSG. Are, they'd have to probably not concede any. Um, and you'd think PSG are going to score in just about every game they play. Do you think they're one of the sides, Sociedad, that would prefer to have finished third and to try and win the Europa League? Because I'm sure there's teams out there that would not, that obviously want to go as far as they can in the champs, but you know, you get to a point where you're actually not going to compete and win this competition. Yeah, I, I, no, I doubt it. I think you want to keep the Champions League run alive just as long as you can. And if that's the round of 16, then it's the round of 16. And if you do go out there for a club like Sociedad, it's just a, a chance to play one of the big ones. You'd be pissed if you, you know, if you drew a Copenhagen or something, but like, you know, finishing second, they've <laughs> yeah, drawn, still lost. they've drawn PSG. And, um, you know, they'll enjoy that trip. They get to, like, if they go out, they can concentrate on their league form because they're still very much in the hunt for European spots again. Uh, now, this one, Lazio won by Munich, Neil. This gave me a big kick. We're all hoping Bayern would do them. I didn't necessarily think they would, but a Chiro Mobile penalty was enough to get it done. And Upa Meccano, red card. There's a lot of chat about Bayern out. We talked about Bayern last week, and their, um, I think was, Cooper, did you read out it? a tweet from someone. I did, yes. Complete elitist nonsense from some Bayern fans thinking that the world is ending because they may not win the Bundesliga for a 78th time in a row. 
Um, but Upamakano, red card. He got one in the league on the weekend as well as they dropped points to Bochum. And there's a lot of Thomas Tuchel out talk going around. What do we make of Bayern at the moment? They're just, uh, I mean, they're Bayern, aren't they? I mean, my my expectation of them is whether it's with Tuchel or with a new manager that at some point this season they'll do what we expect them to do and, and they'll come back. And, you know, Leverkusen, all props to, that, to them for what they've done in the league, but how long they can continue this undefeated form it remains to be seen. You know, it's one of those things we've seen it with City so frequently in the Premier League that we're more familiar with that they're just always there. They're like that sleeping giant just waiting for someone to make that mistake. I have to say it does feel different this year. Bayern, I mean, they've still only dropped points in six league games. Um, they're eight points behind now. Like, I, It feels different. This squad doesn't seem as good. Um, it feels like they have gotten over the line through, um, you know, Harry Kane popping up and getting a tap in or something or, or Musiala doing something freakish. Uh, but they, they don't seem like they have the same the same strength to overcome this sort of adversity this season. And I don't, I'm not sure Tuka was the man to do it either. He's not for sure. I mean, it feeds into, I was reading a tactical analysis on Tuchel and Bayern and they basically came to the summation that he has not implemented anything, essentially. Like you watch Bayern Munich and they don't do um, anything as, you know, dominant as they used to be able to do under Pep and et al after that. Um, and they're just, Harry Kane is, you know, copping a lot of flack at the moment because he's dropping too deep to get balls when really they just need some guy in the box to be able to turn a cross in. You know, to go this entire game against Lazio without a shot on target uh, is it's mind boggling. Uh, just I can't I can't remember a time when Bayern would you know dish up a performance like that in a spell that they're having. They they always felt like a side when adversity was there they could rise above it and come to the fore and you know win the games that they need to be able to win. But like you said, Sammy, it doesn't seem the same. They they're just they're a different kind of entity this season, and they look they're vulnerable and they could probably go, which would just be the most ironic hilarious thing in the world without winning a, a trophy at all this season and the harry kane curse can live on definitely if already just, out of the cup if i can They're touch gone. quickly back to this the, the lazio game the question that i had in this Absolutely. game was probably more of a, a sam question than anything um but uh, obviously upper meccano gets sent off in the 67th minute at nil all uh then chiro immobile obviously the talisman for Lazio puts them in front from the spot in the 69th minute. And then five minutes later, Immobile and Luis Alberto are both off the pitch for Lazio. I just wonder if in this game, uh, uh, to me, I was a little bit surprised that the two of these guys didn't end up playing 90 against 10 men because, you know, there's a huge opportunity there to leave your best squad out there and try and get a second against 10 men against Bayern. But now, you know, they go to Germany with only a one goal lead. Yeah, I did think about this actually at the time. And I, it's very... It's very Italian, isn't it? It's very cautious. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the fear with Lazio are not in a good place at the moment domestically. They're sitting eighth after their loss on the weekend. We'll get to that later. That's my, that was my game of the week. But they're sitting eighth. They really can't afford to have players missing, key players like Immobile missing league games. They're 1-0 up. And I think what Sari's doing there is he is, um, I think he was pretty fearful that even the 10 men of Bayern, when that because Bayern brought on a couple of attackers, they went for it and they were getting on top. I think just really locking it up and making sure you do get the one new win and they'll back themselves to try and hold that again and hit on the counter in 
in Munich. I, th- I know it's a tall order, and you probably would, most of us would be looking to go and get a second goal. But I think the way they're looking at it is we have an opportunity to go to Munich with a lead. You'd rather that than, you know, trying to chase this second goal against 10 men and, and costing yourselves by like shipping an equalizer or something. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one for a club like Lazio in their position against a giant like Bayern. So, not sure it's what the right those- answer is. Is it cautious? Is it sensible? It may be a little bit of both. Um, yeah. The second leg will obviously tell us more. Um, I'm with Coop. I think <clears throat> they probably should have gone after a second goal because um, what are they, their league forms a little bit dust. I'm, I'm not sure they're gonna they're gonna qualify for anything given I mean, where they're at. Yeah, they are. They are looking in strife now. They're four points out of the like the conference league spots. So, mm. you know, they're, they're in some strife and the teams above them do just look better that they lost to Bologna on the weekend of a fifth, but um, yeah, I don't know. Strange one. Immobile is not young anymore either. So he's, he's not playing a whole heap of full games. <laughs> um, What was the other game in the Champions League? I think that was it. Oh, I just, my final note on Bayern, just cause we're not going to talk Bundesliga, but you guys will love this. You should hear Bochum's goal music. Do you want to have a guess at what Bochum's goal music might be? It's it's not Seven Nation Army, I imagine. <laughs> it's it's the Can Can, the no, one that we fuck no, the one that we ripped Bayern Munich for having, and they've put three past them, and Bayern Bayern fans have had to sit there and listen to the Bochum celebrate to the Can Can. I tell you what, <laughs> I have raved on about this Can Can on this podcast before, but man, does it hit different when Bayern are on the end of it. It's so good to sit and watch them on the end of this and just listening to it. I was pumping it out. It was so good. Uh, it should be Bayern. like if we beat victory in a couple of weeks and we chant Seven Nation Army. Yeah, long may it continue. I'm all for it. Um, we'll get to this week's Champions League games just quickly. Uh, PSV play... Borussia Dortmund Wednesday morning and so does uh, Inter play Atletico. Have you got any thoughts on either either of these guys? Tommy, I know your game of the week is Inter and Atletico. This would be a fun matchup, I think. I mean, Inter are absolutely dominant in Serie A. Um, they're looking like one of the best champions elect to have ever done it, or definitely in the modern era. Yeah, they're, they're just untouchable at the minute. They're nine um, ahead and- with a game in hand. Yeah, I mean, it helps that Juve and Milan keep faltering, but they, yeah, they just seem untouchable in the league. Is, yeah. um, Atleti, uh, they're in fits and starts. They mix form. Sometimes they show up. Sometimes you know they look like a side that haven't played together. This will be fun because they don't play them. They don't play each other often. Inter and Atleti. I think they've only played each other once in Champions League history or in basically. Um, so this will be this is a really interesting matchup. Yeah, uh, they had a big win on the weekend, didn't they? Atletico, where they they pumped five mm. past Las Palmas, and um, it's the same day Cooper and I were talking about um, Marco Lorente coming on at Anfield in the Champions League and turning into peak Gerrard and knocking him out. <laughs> that was <And> awesome. <laughs> that night, like literally, like an hour or two later, he popped up with a double in this one. Correa got a got himself a double as well. Someone who's not always contributing a lot, and so did Memphis Depay. He got on the score sheet. So a few different names contributing there for Atletico. Maybe just time in their run, but I know they'll just they'll come out and still play defensive in this against Inter. Which oh, of course I'm not will. I'm not sure is the right thing to do. I don't know if you want to let Inter's midfield have the ball because they're they're bloody good. They're a good team, yeah. and, and the likes of Martinez and Turam are just weapons 
inside the box and on the edge of the box. Um, and then their, their fullback, DeMarco and Dumfries, have great delivery and pace out wide. So they have so many weapons. I don't know if you'd want to sit back against them. Oh, it's a, it's a dangerous tactic for sure. And given that Atleti have only won uh, like a handful of their 18 away games against Italian sides in European mm-hmm. matches, Inter have only lost one of their last 13 in the Champions League. You you need to, you know, you have to go out and try and hassle them in midfield, suffocate the space, try and release your good players. But like you said, they're not going to do it. And so they're probably going to be on the on the ending, uh, on the receiving end of a heavy defeat. Uh, the other game, Einho, oh, what do you do you have any predictions for us for your game of the week? First yeah, I'd say I'd say into 3 0. Yeah, I think Inter are going to clean them up. I don't know if it'll be 3-0, but I think they're going to beat them at home. I think they're Inter the sort of team. I don't think it matters if they play home or away either. I think they'll beat them in both legs. Um, the other game is Dortmund away to Eindhoven. Dortmund sitting fourth in the Bundesliga. I think they they might be just putting their eggs into this Champions League basket a little bit here. Uh, Eindhoven can be, could be tricky, but I think they'll win both legs. Um their league form has not been great, but they've been getting it done in the Champions League when their back's against the wall. So I reckon they show up here. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Like I said, I think Eindhoven could be a tricky game, but I think that Dortmund uh, probably just have the depth to get this done over two legs and probably should be winning both games. Definitely. They're not They're not too shabby, PSV, though. Haven't lost in the league this yeah. season. Yeah, they're, they go all right. I think Dortmund will get it done, though. Uh, Thursday morning, Porto, Arsenal. This is kind of a tricky one for Arsenal. Mm. Porto Porto loves showing up in the old round of 16 in the Champions League. And Arsenal, oh, not not the greatest in the Champions League this season. They, they got through relatively comfortably, but it was really shaky at times. Um, with the league, lack of experience, Sammy. I don't know. With the league on the line at the moment, how how hard do you go at this first leg? It's a tough call, isn't it? Like you said, this I reckon this has got cup set written all over it. This has got Porto winning by maybe a couple of goals. Oh, listen to him. <laughs> it's Cooper, can you tell him he's wrong? Just stirring some pot here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Sam. I think you're wrong. Um, Arsenal, what what is that, 11 goals in the last two weeks now? Arsenal, they seem to yeah. be humming and they've hit a little bit of attacking form. Sack is starting to find the back of the net again. Uh, they should be way too good over two legs. Um, I just wonder if it's one of those that, you know, sometimes these bigger clubs, I say bigger clubs, I don't mean a disrespect to Porto, but like we said with Manchester City, sometimes they'll go harder in the first leg so they can put the feet up in the second. But being away from home and Porto not necessarily being as on the level of Copenhagen perhaps, that this might be a tricky one to navigate for Arsenal. They will get through it, I think, but it might be a little bit more tough than they think. Yeah. And uh, the last game is, I'm not sure anyone wants to say anything about it, but Napoli, Barcelona, two sides really faltering yeah. in the league. Napoli more so this season. But uh, what's going to go on here? This is really tough to read, and I have no idea how it's going to play out. This could end up being the best tie of the entire uh, Champions League round of 16 because, as you said, two, I mean, are they dangerously out of form? We've got... On one hand, Napoli reeling from their greatest season in the last 20, 30 years. And Barcelona, who are looking forward now beyond an era without Xavi. This It's a funny one. You can't predict it. Both sides probably been pretty vulnerable at the back and leaking goals against teams they shouldn't. So what's this space? I think they had a draw on the weekend again, Napoli as well. So I'm not sure what, what Barca did, but we'll move it on. That's our Champions League. I think... 
just a quick one on, I want to talk about Italy quickly because my game of the week, Cooper, you scoffed at me for choosing Lazio <laughs> v Bologna as my game of the week. It was 7th v 5th and this was a great week of Italian football and and this game was was actually excellent. Did you did you end up watching all of it? I know you were watching last night, but did you end uh, up watching watched, after half time? Watched a majority of it until the uh until the drugs knocked me out. But uh no, it was it was an entertaining game of football and you know, I, I think I scoff at you a lot of the time because I feel I, sometimes I think I feel like you just try and pick an Italian game for the sake of it. Um I think I've, I'm sure I've picked it once. I've picked one <laughs> Italian game since we started doing game of the week. Might just oh, be God. one of those one of those vibe based things, just assuming that Sam's picking Italian football. Mm. Oh, Sam's on his Italian bandwagon again. What do you know? Bandwagon. I'm just I live on it, so um, yeah, great game. Bologna proving why they're in this Champions League spots. I've got some stuff here for you. They, uh, my, my man, Josh Xerxes, popped up with the winner again. Uh, he's just having a wild season. Look out for him moving somewhere in the transfer window, perhaps. Um, unless they Hopefully qualify for Champions bang. League and he ends up staying there. But I don't know. I've got a feeling some clubs are going to be coming with some big money. Um, but yeah, Bologna sitting fifth. They have the best home record in Syria, albeit over Inter, who Inter have played one less home game, but they do have the best home record by a point. That is only their second away win of the season for Bologna, uh, but they've they've grinded out heaps, heap, grinded, ground, ground out, heaps of draws um, away. So I guess that's, they're just doing what the, the clubs with the, I guess these clubs that aren't as big and don't have the same funds as everyone else. Um, finding a way to get results away from home and making sure you win your home games is the way to do it, I guess. And and they've made a they've made a good season of it. I'm hoping they can keep going and go all the way uh, to get a Champions League spot. They're tied for fourth at the moment with Atalanta, who had a big win on the weekend as well. But they do have a game in hand. But yeah, I don't know if either of you've been keeping an eye on Italy at the moment. But more drop points from Juve into cruising ahead, Milan. Had a cracking game this morning. Uh, we're recording the Monday night Milan game this morning. Had uh, four goals from Monza after Milan 2-0 down, came back to equalize with 10 men, and then Pulisic scored a great equalize in like the 88th minute, and then they conceded two straight after. So absolutely. The Milan, the Milan game, I was so upset that I couldn't watch it because I just it had that feeling when they went 2-0 down that something crazy was about to happen. Yeah. Um, and I asked you about the the resting of <clears throat> the front three to not have Liao, Pulisic and Juru start this game. You brought up the very salient point that they had a um, Europa League tie on Thursday night. So if you go Thursday to Sunday, it's obviously difficult to back these players up regularly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an interesting tactic to start them on the bench and then be forced into bring them on because obviously Milan are kind of lacking in any sort of attacking threat when they're not there. Yeah, I think they found themselves in a space here where these guys that he gave a start aren't they don't get many starts and i guess yeah. he's looking for an opportunity you need to keep your players somewhat match sharp and get them minutes and so you're looking for what fixtures in amongst the fixture list that you can start them in and so starting okafor and chukwezi was the way to go but those guys have had brilliant contributions this season off the bench mm-hmm. uh, but we haven't really seen them start many and they just they just didn't have it the the backline was off again but florenzi is playing at right back he's playing a lot of football and he's he's old and Calabria, <laughs> Calabria is the club captain, and he's injured again. Uh, he okay. went off injured last week, so Florenzi's been playing, and he's too old to be playing two games a week. So he was caught out a bit. Malik Tior at centre back is pretty, pretty raw I still, and s- so I is, saw him getting rinsed online a little bit. Yeah, and so is Gabia. So they're just not 
they just don't have it really there. I was saying to Cooper before uh, we got online tonight that they just have no depth, this Milan side. That, yeah. And all the guys that came off the bench are pretty much guys that would start. Reinders, Giroud, Pulisic, Leao, maybe not so much Musa, but yeah, um, is what it is for Milan. You I don't see- want to talk about them too much, but... I was going to say, did you see the uh, the Luka Jovic red card? I did. Just an idiot. Do you reckon? I just yeah. I, he, does he make contact with him at all? I mean, I think he does. I think he slaps yeah, he him does. in the face. Okay, well, <laughs> but it's fair. one of those. It's one of those ones. For those that haven't seen it, he's got the the defender is like getting pretty it's tired to him, and he puts his arms up. But he's like the defender's got his arms out, just kind of like like feeling for him, just seeing where yeah. he is. Keeping and he just face. and he just reacts to it and just swings around and has a swing at him. And it's like it's so dumb, man. You're playing a contact sport. The defenders are gonna be testing you and feeling where you are. Like, come on, you're you're an adult. Grow up. It, it's a bit of a shame too, because it seems like he had almost deserved this start because he's kind of found a little bit of form recently. Yeah, he has. He go he goes and does this and you're just like, come yeah. on, man. Uh Roma had a big win as well, but that's all I've got on that. Good stuff. <laughs> um, let's go talk about the Premier League. I'll start with the fantasy because, Cooper, your team is top of the league at the moment. I think there's still a couple of games to be played in this game week. Yeah? It's a double game week. Yeah, yeah double game week. So there's another game for Liverpool, Manchester City, and then obviously that Everton Palace thriller, I think it is, that mm. we're talking about overnight. Oh, the 12-12. Yeah, there you go. Uh Cooper's on top of the fantasy league. The most points at the moment this week, I think, is Brendan Simpkins with a 65. Here we in Golo again. Um, get out of here. He's down to 10th. Poor old Brendy. Um, Todd's flogs have dropped off, which is good to see. But Cooper on top. I'm not sure how much I like this. I was digging around at our soccer club the other night looking for my um, – we've got those those like director chairs so we can see over the fence, right? And I haven't seen mine since the end of last season. So I was looking for it. And in the back there somewhere, I found these old, there's these really old, I say really old, they're from like 2021, like seven-a-side trophies that no one ever collected. I reckon if you win it, Cooper, that's what you're getting. You're getting one of them with a little piece of paper over it. It's about six inches tall, and I think you're just going to have to live with that. Todd got a giant cup last year, but you're getting this. (laughs) You know where you can stick it to, Coop. And Josh Crook, if you win, I don't know where you live, so it depends on how much it's going to cost to post. So good luck. (laughs) Good luck, everyone involved in fantasy. All right. He he, he can just get the cutout. Yeah. just I'll just send him an email. Just a piece of paper. A photo. (laughs) A photo. All right. What was the M? What are they called? What were the NF? What are the things? NFT. Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm I'm such a boomer. (laughs) I'm full boomer spec there. Oh, what the older. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember what, are they what that kids was buying these days. Oh, my life is full of abbreviations. I don't have room for them all. Brentford one, Liverpool four. Tommy, what do you got? I just fucking loved this Nunes goal. Like, what a thing of beauty! <laughs> just the, the entire build up as well. How the hell Jossa has won that header to put him into space? I would never understand. Mm. And then. For Darwin to to pull out that kind of finish and mug Jota off, who's there for a wow. tap in? Yeah, he didn't want to sweaty it at all. He's just, like, nah, just roll it to him and let him tap it in. Imagine <laughs> he misses that, but he doesn't. Delicious goal. We probably would have gone down, Sammy Cooper. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to shape to be a big win for the Reds. That one, um, City obviously dropped points that we'll get to, but mm. title back in the hands of, of Liverpool, if you will. Now. Um, if you win G- every game, you win it. Gee whiz, they've got some 
some injury woes now as well. Um, if they didn't already, now they've lost, obviously, yep. before the game, Trent Alexander-Arnold on the Wednesday, and then Allison hamstring injury on the Friday at training and the build-up to the game. Uh, Curtis Jones, Diogo Jota, and Darwin Nunez all coming off either before or at halftime with injuries as well. Um, thankfully for Liverpool, I mean, Mo Salah come off the bench and and had a goal and an assist and just picked up like he never left. But it's now it's now a really big period in in probably Cody Gakpo's Liverpool career where it's now hasn't Definitely. necessarily happened for him yet, but it's now really his time to stand up. Yeah. yeah, and he was given a gift, wasn't he, for the fourth goal? I mean, what a calamity of errors from the two Brentford defenders. Yeah, Brentford have been real disappointing this season. I think we we've all agreed on that. Um, but Liverpool, yeah, just I think what scares everyone else still. I know Liverpool fans will be worried about their injuries, but just the how widespread the goal contributions are. I probably won't go any more into it. We spent a lot of weeks praising Liverpool, and we can do that more when they go on to win the league, Cooper. Or... <laughs> tempting fate there. Um, next game, we've got here Burnley nil, Arsenal 5, 11 goals in two games for the Gunners. And uh, I just wanted to mention, I wanted to shout out Kai Havertz, if you don't mind. I thought he was great. I've seen the little map of his, um, his passing from the weekend. He cops a lot um, for... Uh, he lacks a bit of physicality sometimes and gets pushed off it a bit easy. But I think what they've found with him, and I've said it before, is Arteta's just found a perfect role for him to play where, you know, he's he doesn't have to do what he did at Leverkusen and score all the goals. He's got We've got players there that are scoring goals and doing things. We just need someone to link up with them that can play a bit of an Erdegaard role, but a bit further forward and link up with the strikers too. And he's doing it to perfection. Got himself a goal on the weekend. And Arsenal just ticking along beautifully right now against the against the bottom dwellers. West Ham aren't a bottom dweller, but you know you know what I mean. Well, they should be. Um, yeah, um, I just wanted to double down on Kai Havertz. I said, I know you and I both said at the start of the season, Sam, that we had him in our little prediction of the the players that we thought could you know, kick on more than what people necessarily thought they would this year. Um, and the role he plays with Martin Odegaard, he just they complement each other so well. Um, but for me, Kai Havertz was the best player on the pitch in this game for Arsenal. Um, and I've, I've just noted, and I know a, f- a few people have spoken about it too, the aggressive forward runs that Kai Havertz makes out of midfield are so great for Arsenal because they, they complement the pace of Bukayo Saka and Gabby Martinelli as well. But at the same time, like we saw for the first goal in this game, if it doesn't all happen in one motion for Arsenal, the space that it leaves Martin Erdegaard in attacking positions too, it just it just yep. clicks so nicely. Absolutely. Yeah, it works, it works beautifully, doesn't it? And like you were saying before, it brings Saka back into the game and he's found a goal-scoring touch again. And when you've got... It's 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 weapons, and that's what Arsenal have now. And they're gelling. They've played together for a few seasons, and they they look to me. They look like genuine title contenders. I know Sammy's not going to like this, but if anyone is going to push Liverpool and City all the way, Arsenal is the perfect foil for this title race. Mm. I was asked today about what I think about whether it's real or not, and. 13 games to go feels a lot. And if you're an Arsenal fan, you've probably got trust issues still with um with how the season kind of plays out towards the back end. And so that's still in the back of your mind. I think, you know, they're right there, aren't they? But um, out of the top three, they've lost the most games with four. But mm-hmm. if they can keep clicking like this, I, just, I wonder what will happen when they get tested. Uh, maybe there's going to be bigger weeks still to come. And, you know, with... 
midweek football back now with the Champions League. Uh, there'll be more tests on the depth and the quality and the experience, and it's still a pretty young squad overall. So there'll be decisions uh, to be made I for don't know. sure. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like that they're a genuine title contender. I think. I think everyone who's not an Arsenal fan will say that. Arsenal fans like myself are always pretty pessimistic, but you know you got to give them the credit. They are sitting second. They're right there. They're two points off the top, so it's there to be had. And it's just a matter of can these two keep City at bay? And I really hope they can. I'd be as much as I want Arsenal to win it. Uh, I'd be I'd be okay with Liverpool getting it if it's not City. I just don't want it to be City, really. Um, so there you go. That's that. Um, Fulham one, Villa two. Not really. Uh, you know, just a, a win Villa needed. Not not too much to go on there. Um, similarly, with the, the opposite end for Newcastle and Bournemouth, I know they were missing a few Newcastle, but two all draw at home to Bournemouth. They're really just kind of going in the wrong direction this season after what was what looked really promising at the start. Uh, where are they now? They've dropped down to eighth. Um, yeah, Brighton, Tottenham, and we've been talking about how disappointing Brighton have been this season. Um, Forest two, West Ham nil. Tommy, you got anything on this? Your mate Calvin Cooper was sent off. Uh, a big win for Forrest, <laughs> more calamity for West Ham, and Moyes in trouble. Oh, Moyes in trouble, isn't he? Uh, Calvin Phillips, I think he prefers to be called. Uh, the old Yorkshire call him? You called him Cooper. Did I? <laughs> Calvin Cooper. Calvin Cooper. Cooper. Cooper on the brain, brother. I honestly can't remember. I was trying to think about who I was going to throw to for this one, but Calvin Phillips, the man who decided he needed to leave Leeds to go and sit on the bench at City. Is it worth leaving a yo-yo club to go win trophies that you weren't participating in? Probably. And he's made a shitload of money for it. I don't but he's gone, to, he's, he's gone to West Ham to try and find some minutes before um, the Euros. Is that what's coming up? Some international tournament, I'm sure. <laughs> Something. Yeah, some irrelevant competition compared to the Asian Cup. He has had a little bit of a mare, unfortunately. I don't I don't know how you guys feel about the red card. The second yellow for me seems a little bit harsh. He's gone in high. Um yeah. I think you could easily just give him a ticking off and say that there's no need to do that again, Calvin. But no, he's come through. Maybe it's a maybe it's just a little bit of um retribution for what he did for the first yellow where he's just so naive and so stupid to get involved in and off the ball incident like that and get himself booked. Um, West Ham just doing exactly what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Absolute garbage. They're just, they're so shit to watch. Imagine playing Nottingham Forest back into form. Yeah, rough. Huge win for Forest. Um, it gets them just a nice little buffer on that on that bottom three there for now. So we'll see what happens. Crystal Palace now. all of a sudden getting slightly dragged into it. They've just jumped Palace. They're on the same amount of points, but um, they play Everton tomorrow. Everton sitting 18th. Luton right there as well. Uh, Cooper, David Moyes, Presser, you had something on this? Yeah. Um, I know Tommy saw it. I'm not sure if you did, Sam. I did uh, but I don't he consume was asked, David Moyes content. Essentially, he was asked about all the uh, the Moyes out propaganda being floated around oh, the yes. stadium by, by fans. <laughs> it's a propaganda if it's true. Propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he really bit, you know, when managers are asked these questions and they usually just like, they'll shelve it or, or yeah. they don't want to talk about it or they'll, they'll move away. He really bit on this one. And oh, it was, it was almost like, of like little old Dave was a bit offended that West Ham supporters haven't enjoyed the, you know, he said European trophy last season. And, you know, I spoke about it last week, the European trophy, and then three consecutive seasons prior with a 
top seven or or eighth place finish, I believe it was. Um, and he said they might have had these supporters might have had managers in the past where they've played more entertaining football, perhaps, but they've never had a, a manager win as much as I do. And Ugh. it's a, a big a big comment for starters for for a bloke that hasn't won a single game in any competition in the year of two thousand and twenty four as of yet. Huge. Um, but also just. There was an interesting comment made by the commentator in the Burnley Arsenal game where the commentator said there sort of seemed to be like this this buzz around Turf Moor almost, even though they were losing like two or three nil at the time and they they probably definitely going down. There's this little bit of a buzz because they can see what company's trying to do, they can see what the club's trying to do, and yep. they might get they might get relegated as a result of it, but they'll probably most definitely come back up next season. They'll play better football, players will develop further they'll be a more attractive club to make signings and, and they might be better off, you know, in the years to come. Would you rather as a Burnley supporter go through this or would you rather go back to Sean Dyche where every week was a miserable affair, but you had a seven year stint in the Premier League with no relegations and even managed to qualify for a, a European tournament one year. Um, and I think the way football's going in the modern day and age is most people would answer that question with the I'd rather watch the Vincent Company Burnley than watch the Sean Dyche Burnley again and that might be where David Moyes problem sits right now yeah 100% agree with you I think just to play devil's advocate on that that owners I think we talked about it last week owners wouldn't and you can see why owners would be pretty happy to leave David Moyes in there given what's going on I think as well I don't want to be one of the I hate those people that kind of disparage any sort of trophy win and say it doesn't count. And I'm not saying it doesn't count, but to me, if West Ham fans are still this uh, this hot onto David Moyes over all of it, it says to me that they know or they recognize how little a deal it is to win, to have won that Europa Conference League, I think. Um, who did they beat in the final? Was it Roma? Cool. You're asking that the Europa League. I can't see. This is how much people care about Europa. Conference it doesn't League. matter. It doesn't. You matter. know, that's what I mean. I don't even know who they. Who do they play in the group stage? Like some some rusty little towns in Eastern Europe somewhere that barely even have grass. <laughs> like, you know, no disrespect to Eastern Europe, but like, come on, we're talking about we're talking about oh West Ham. We're talking about West Ham Football Club. They play in the London Olympic Stadium for fuck's sake. Like, this yeah. is the wrong kind of region you want to be calling out. I think, Sammy. No, nah, no, nah, we're friends. Yeah. Uh, we're friends. We are friends. They beat Fiorentina two one in That's front right. of in front of seventeen thousand people as well for a European Cup final. Yeah, grim, huge. So I think West Ham fans have recognised that maybe that isn't the biggest of deals, and that's why you know that's why they're, they're probably, so. They're probably looking around and seeing Bournemouth hire Iriola and seeing um, uh, Forrest even bring in uh, Nuno, who's got them playing a different, nicer, more attractive brand of football. And they're looking at their own team, and, but you know, deserve it, Brighton, and they're wondering why the fuck can't we do this? We've got talented players, um, you know, we've got all the facilities, we've got the academy, one of the most lauded academies in the country over the last few decades. Why the hell are we not playing football? That makes me want to go and watch them, and that's yeah. totally fair. And I would take attractive football over results every day of the week. Nice. I think we'll probably. Can the West Ham chat for a little while now? We've done them a few weeks in a row. Uh, it's, it sickens me. Um, Wolves travelled to Tottenham and won 2-1. Uh, just quickly, Tommy, on this one, Joao Gomez, a, a double, at the double, some at would say. Double. Not me, because it's a stupid phrase. What does it even mean? Um, but, yeah, big win. No, not so good for Ange. 
Not so good for Ange, no. It's Again, it plays into Wolves' haphazard form this season where they're almost a little bit like Chelsea and it, it makes sense why they're marooned mid-table where they love to get up for big games. The Wolves have knocked off Spurs and City and the lot now. Uh, same thing with Chelsea, but, uh, you know, for Spurs in this kind of game when they really are looking like a top four contender, that fourth spot is there for them to lock in. Villa's faltering. Man United are beating shit teams. I'm not buying into them being any good until they beat someone decent. But it's it just comes back to fundamentals. And that first goal that they concede, uh, the Jao Gomez header from the corner, it just it I don't understand how you can have no men on the post and still concede a free header in the middle of the box. And that's got nothing to do with the way Ange plays football, the naivety that people think, you know, that attacking yep. flourish that he enjoys. It's just basics. That's and they've basics. been susceptible to this kind of thing all season. And you would think with, you know, guys like Van de Ven coming back into the team in the form of Vicario and Udogi and stuff like that, they, they should be better in these situations. So they are definitely vulnerable. Wolves have still got it in them to knock off a top team, which is going to be great seeing them go on for the rest of the season because they're probably going to take points off a lot of the title contenders and European um, hopefuls. It was just a fun game. Kulisevsky yeah. goal was brilliant. I thought that was a really well worked move, even though we got a little bit of luck. In, the little, the, uh, the little, like taking the shot, kind of as he's like in stride, where yeah, you, you're expecting him to kind of maybe set himself, and to, he just catches the keeper off guard. The one you're Amazing. saying, the um, the first Gomez one, like that is, I I've never been a huge fan of. I'm not too bothered about having a man on each post, even when I was a keeper. Like, mm. I think just. I'd much rather you go out and win the header, but if you're not on the, I usually have at least one. But if Just you're not, post, I think surely if you don't have anyone on the post there, then surely they're out there <laughs> winning the header. Like, or you've got <laughs> yeah. enough bodies in there that someone is not free to just and players at this level in half a yard of space, like he was there, are going to punish you with that. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, it was Son as well. If you watch the replay, he's right there. And as soon as as soon as Gomez mm. connects with the header, you can see the look on Son's face that he, he knows yeah. he knows he's let him go. And he was crying again. He also put the arms out though and looked around. And I did see, I did look at it, and I was wondering. It did look like Son was helping double up on someone else, but I don't mm. know what. Yeah, it was it was pretty poor either way. Anything else on that? Can I move it on? We're good. Moving on. They're just going to be fun teams to watch going on. Absolutely, I'm enjoying them. Uh. Just conscious of time here, but Cooper, your game of the week, City v Chelsea, was a an interesting pick. Yeah, um, it just I don't know. It felt like you know one of those games on paper where you read the two teams, and it feels like if you're going to pick a game of the week and that game's happening, that it probably almost has to be one of them. But yeah, we're at maybe a point if, now where maybe it, it didn't need to be because maybe if you hadn't watched the last twenty five games of Premier League this season, but otherwise, <laughs> sure, <laughs> shots. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I agree. I don't think it's. A shot. I think it's more Chelsea. of a, if you've watched Chelsea at all in the last twelve months. Yeah. Um, and that geez, they weren't that good in this game either. I mean, they were very, very fortunate. Um, Erling Haaland produced probably the worst game I've seen the guy play. He could have had, could have, and should yep. have had three or four goals in this game. Mm, um, he is human after all. Obviously, Raheem Sterling's done well. Put Chelsea, put Chelsea one nil ahead. Um, and like I said, do you think Sam he's um, before... Cooper, do you think do you think he's still in the group chat, the city group chats? Do you reckon he's just posting flames for hours after the goal? <laughs> Can't confirm or deny. Um, but like I said to Sam before, every time City are in a title race or 
in a Champions League knockout phase and something seems to be like it's about to go astronomically wrong and they manage to pull a goal back or something, it's always a really shit Rodri goal. It's always him yeah. every time. I don't know why, but I'm so fucking sick of looking at his face. <laughs> He's got the thrives in big matches attribute. He scored a late winner at the Emirates once and then ran, but it was like, but he ran to the opposite side of his away fans. So he basically just ran right up to the grandstand of the home fans. Like just, and I was like, I remember being so salty about it. Still am salty. But I brought it up. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. He obviously doesn't like his fans. And I, I can totally understand that given the lackluster display they give. I know um, Haaland missed a few chances again, but this is um, how, uh, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be so sick of walking, watching Nicholas Jackson up front for Chelsea. Oh. This guy will spurn the most golden of chances and kind of gets off the hook a bit, I think, with it. He's such a donkey. How can you have more yellow cards than goals as a striker in the Premier League? He has one of the first, one of the worst first touches I've ever seen from a striker as well. And like like he can't even he can't even touch the ball with both feet and he tried to use the outside of his foot. It's just he's horrendous. I don't understand. He had a golden chance. He got did he get the assist for Sterling or he He did, yeah. yeah he did. Um after Sterling ball, made a little bit of work of it. Yeah, it was, but he's got a whole paddock to play the ball into. It's not that yeah. hard at professional football to square that ball like that, is it? Um it but be. the the chance that he gets, uh it's similar sort of chance, uh, but Probably easier than the one Sterling had, where he's right in the middle and he just fluffs it and kicks it into the keeper. And was he offside? Never, never it doesn't really matter. Confident. He should score anyway. It doesn't matter. Got to score still. Um, there was a couple of moments in this. Uh, I just want to say I thought uh, Dasasi was really good. Made a shitload of clearances in fraught moments, and it kind of it makes you think that there are players in most of these Chelsea boys. Not you, Dudrick. Not you, Jackson. Obviously, move them to one. They just have to get up for the boring games. They love to play up for these big games. Um, and they've done it in fits and starts here. There were some good moves in there. They were okay. They are okay. But like you said, Haaland, if he scores even one of those chances, like Chelsea are doomed. I wanted to ask you guys about the the handball in the dying moments or potentially the foul. I don't know if you, either of you saw this. Um, doesn't look like Cole Will does anything right in this it's situation. Not, it's not a handball. And, and watching this game, I was, I was genuinely seething listening to the Optus Sport commentary of uh, whoever the the secondary commentator in this game watching the replay is trying mm. to, he's trying to, it's like he thought he had a whistle in his mouth trying to give this penalty. He's going, oh, there it is. He's yep, moved right, his arm. He's moved his yeah. arm towards the ball. Oh, I did hear at, that, I'm, actually. I'm, I'm looking at the screen yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, is this guy watching the same thing that I'm watching? Because there's no world in which Levi Colwell has made any motion towards the ball with his hand or arm Absolutely whatsoever. None. And mm. I, don't, I don't understand where this commentary is coming from. It's not a penalty. No, yeah, I'm all right. I, know. I, I didn't think so either. He had a full grub of his shirt, which is maybe where the movement of the arm comes from when he lets it go. But that's it. Like, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. Overnight, uh, Luton lost 2 1 to Man United. Rasmus Hoyland keeping his formal I go a little bit lucky with one of these, but, uh, you know, you take what you can get in this league, don't you? And he got his chances. Right place, right time, Rasmus. That's what they call him. Right place, Rasmus. Um, Sheffield United nil, Brighton five. Sorry, United fans, we're not spending any time on you because you've, you've been winning anyway. So just enjoy it, all right? Last week, Tom said they were going to win the league. So take with, do with that what you will. Sheffield nil, Bri- Sheffield nil, Brighton five. This while Brighton just seemed to either get spanked or spank someone. And uh, this week, they spanked Sheffield, who were uh, pretty gash. Pretty They're bad. relegated. Yeah. They are shocking. Yeah. They're almost as bad as our fantasy Premier League team, Sam. Almost. 
Well, let's not be too hasty. <laughs> My favourite part of Sheffield United at the moment is just them throwing players with no minutes, no experience into just shocking situations and making them play games on which they're just getting belted week in, week out. And what you're doing is you're not doing what Burnley are doing at the moment where you're trying to stick to a plan and a philosophy and you blood players in the right way and you look like you're going to go down, get the parachute payments, go back up, sustain yourself. They just look like they're going to get fucked up and they're never going to come back to the Premier League, which I think would be a joy for everyone. They've conceded 19 goals in their last five games in all competitions. Um, they lost. They conceded five at home to Brighton in the FA Cup. They conceded three away to Palace in the league. They then lost 5-0 at home to Sheffield. <laughs> they lost. Uh, they beat Luton 3-1 uh, and then have lost 5-0. So two home 5-0 losses in a row. Uh, we don't want to have any arguments about this Holgate red card, do we? It's, um, oh, what, my God. This, what is he doing? This is a challenge that should have referees creaming their jeans <laughs> to send somebody off. Like yeah. whistles blowing. They could just like, take the red out. Pit repeatedly. Like hand fumbling in the back pocket so Fast yeah. and hard that he dislocates his <laughs> wrist. I don't. Why the fuck has he not sent him off? I can't believe the <laughs> the shock as well. And the Sheffield players like surrounding the ref and Holgate standing there with the dumb like, what did I do face? And like, it looks like he may have gotten a touch of the ball, or whatever. But isn't it like his standing leg? So yeah. like the act- the actual leg that is swinging in the tackle is nowhere near the ball, and he just boots, above ma- the knee. boots Matoma in the knee. Like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Have a rest, you idiot. My favorite part was the guy in the post match press conference who's come out and said that's a shocking decision. I can't. I'm not even going to say his name because he's a fucking clown. Who was it? You it was know. one of the Sheffield United players. It can't be serious. On what planet is it a bad decision? My God! On uh, on on Sheffield, I just wanted to note that uh, Burnley and Sheffield have two of the worst goal differences to this point of a Premier League season that we've seen in in some time. Uh, I believe it's minus thirty and minus forty three or forty two uh, oh. for Sheffield down the bottom, with sixty five goals conceded for Sheffield in twenty five games. So they're conceding virtually, you know, just shy of three goals a game. Um, they're, it's absolutely terrible. Like you said, I think they're gonna gonna go down, and they don't have a squad whatsoever that I look at and believe that they could have any form of confidence in. Will you know only need one or two guys to bounce back up and, and come back through? Yeah, yeah, no chance. And if we just do a little bit of champo chat quick, when you look at what's going on down there at the moment, outside go. of the three relegated sides, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, um, and then you've got Ipswich as well. There's only been 10 teams in the entire history of Championship um, Division Two football who have amassed 66 points at the point of this season. And all four of these sides have that many points. And then even when you go be- below that, you've got Middlesbrough who are doing things. Preston look like a half-decent side. Hull are getting their shit together again. And then you compare it to who, what we've got now, Sheffield, Burnley, Luton, Everton. Like the sides in the championship look head and shoulders above some of the crop that are going to get relegated this season. So, yeah, I can't see them coming straight back up by any means. Yeah, I saw a great point that was questioning as to whether maybe maybe what's happening in the championship right now is why perhaps, you know, West Ham supporters and supporters of a few other clubs that are sitting 
pretty safely, obviously, in the mid-table regions of the Premier League are a little bit more worried right now about the state of their club than they potentially would be in other seasons. Because, you know, usually you go, oh, we're probably in that bottom six or seven teams in the league but there's going to be three teams that come up from the championship that we should be better than. But mm. these, at least two of these three and probably three of the three that are coming up from the championship could have stayed up if they were in the Premier League right now. So yeah, there's true. going to be three teams already in this Premier League that stay up this season who might be in even more strife next year than they would usually. That's it. And having seen a bit of Ipswich this season, they are way better than um, Sheffield United and Burnley. Everton play Palace. Tuesday morning, you'll know the result of that by the time you're listening to this pod. And then Wednesday morning, Man City host Brentford. I think there's another... Oh, Thursday morning, Liverpool host Luton. What's that all about? Why are they playing ahead? Liverpool going to be a game ahead of everyone. Uh, what's going on? Carabao Cup final Sunday. Yeah, that thing. That explains Chelsea (laughs) v Tottenham's postponement on the weekend as well. Yeah, a bit of League Cup action. Yeah, we won't be covering that. Or will we? Who knows? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. Uh, Yeah. Get around us on the socials, as always. Enjoy the pod. See you next week. Uh, Go footy, I guess. Yep. Sayonara. Go footy. (laughs) Go footy.